Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And of course, as you know, we are talking about schools and whether or not they should close again, or rather not close, but continue teaching, but not have kids at school. Is that right, Ms. Hedricks? That's right. That's right. Sorry, let me just get the whole concept, you know. Yeah. So we now want to look at the perspective of teachers who are at the front line of this crisis, right? So teachers are the ones who have to do the screening, monitor social distancing, teach their learners and ensure their own well-being, coupled to all of that, right? We have two teachers online, and one is a high school educator who wants to remain anonymous, and the other is Ziyad, a primary school teacher. Now, Ziad has COVID-19 and is isolating at home at present. We will, of course, not mention the names of the schools where the teachers are working. Teachers, assalamu alaikum and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Is this Ziad? That is correct. Yes. Okay, Anonymous, are you with us? I'm with you, uh, Ziad. Good evening to you. Uh, okay. Sorry, uh, Yasin. Yazid, but it's okay. Don't Yazid, worry. Yazid. <laughs> Just call me Guy. It's okay. No problem. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, this is a, a, a pandemic, of course, that the whole world has been facing, right? You are then told you have to go back to work. You need to put yourself in a position where your health can be compromised. Um, has it been a heavy burden for you to bear? Let's start with Anonymous. Has this been a heavy burden for you? Uh, yes, it, man, um, we are all human, right? And let me start off by saying that we all have fears because this pandemic is something that, that we've not experienced before. Uh, in fact, the world hasn't experienced before in our time. Um, so to say that, that, that you have fears, I, I can fully agree with that, not, not just for yourself. Um, first and foremost, as educators, you know, we... We put ourselves out there for the kids, and we try. We try our utmost, top top of, of, of my priority, and yeah, I speak for myself personally, is to take care of the safety of our kids, um, even pre, pre-pandemic, you know, all kinds of challenges that we face at school. And to hear and to find out that, you know, after everything that's been going on, uh, you basically being... I won't say use the word forced, but um, you, don't, you, you don't really have a say in terms of, listen, I would like the kids to remain at home a little bit longer. Um, I would like for numbers to go down a little bit. So to answer your question, yes, there are fears, and, 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 and on, a, on a very personal level, I feel it is so, so unfair not just towards, as I said, to, towards us as educators, but to, to the learners as well. And not just the learners, they obviously have to go back after school, go back to their families who are, you know, we don't know the ages of, of, of the family members that they have. And as you know by now that people in the certain age group are more at risk. So so for the department and for government to, to be able to, to want to take or prepare to take that, risk not chance it's more of a risk is 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 for me it's grossly grossly unfair 
and it borders on 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 violation yeah. of, of, of look i mean i was i was yeah. i was frankly hoping for a more personal response okay. i want to okay. understand your burden that you have to uh, did you speak to your family for example was that a tough decision yeah, no, you know yeah no uh, yeah no no i absolutely um 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 family obviously are very very worried um in fact if i can if i can relate the personal uh, from uh, from my own uh, point of view i had to go for testing today having shown symptoms over the weekend and not you know and i i, I sort of met the criteria in inverted commas and i was tested so i am awaiting my results but i am in in self-isolation you sound so, a bit sick unfortunately I'm, I'm going to admit you do sound yeah a bit no sick. no no it is a bit of a look i uh, physically I, I feel okay it's just that i i had the signs over the weekend um the symptoms and just as a precaution i informed the school i went and did the test and uh, I'm just uh, hoping, hoping for for good news. But be that as it may, I will have to deal with whatever the result says. So, so, so that's part of my fear. It has been realised. You know, I was trying to did everything in in my power to try and stay safe myself. But the, I've shared it with the family. It's only fair to inform people that you've gone for testing. So we're just hoping for the best. But mm-hmm. it is it is risky and it is it is quite scary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. And we have an example of Ziad who actually has tested poverty, uh, sorry, uh, positive for COVID-19. I mean, Ziad, this, the, you, are, you are literally carrying the burden. You are carrying the virus. Or you have. I and really rough. So it's quite bad. Yeah. Yes. No, you were just breaking up quite a bit. I think we can hear you now. Let's go. Let's try again. Yeah. Okay. So I said I tested positive last week. Uh, So I've been at home for just about a week now. And I think this first week was very difficult because I got it quite bad, actually. Uh, And I'm slowly starting to recover now. So I didn't expect to, 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 to get it as badly because I was under impression, you know, it's just a, a flu and people recover, a majority of people recover. And my wife also previously had it and she recovered quite easily and she, she had very mild symptoms. So I was very nonchalant about it, laid back about it, you understand, until it hit me now. And so now I do understand people's fears and people's uh, worries about it because it, I've actually got it now firsthand, you understand? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the unfortunate situation with frontline workers and, and essential services. You are literally putting yourself in the firing line, right? So, yeah. look, I asked this question to one of our guests before we went for an ad break and we got the teachers on. We had wanted to understand the psychological impact that this whole situation is having on educators and learners. What can you share with us from your schools and your experience thus far? Uh, I think all the teachers at the school, all of them, I can, I can see for a fact that, uh, like the previous principal was on set, that the teacher at school, like, put in a brave face for the learners, because at the end of the day, we have to uh, allay their fears as well as the parents' fears, because I get a lot of messages from parents saying, my child isn't coming, I'm worried, etc. Then I just have to say, look, I understand, and I understand why not sending them, etc. And uh, the department doesn't accept this and understand this, you understand? 
So we have to put on a brave face for the, the learners, but ultimately all the teachers that I've come across so far, and the school because there's people of different ages and people who have different ailments and illnesses and you never know who's going to affect them, how it's going to affect them. I mean, I'm a fairly healthy person and it affected me very badly. You understand? Mm -hmm. The next person could be even worse. It could be passed away from it. So that's the difference there is now, yeah. So, I mean, the the thing is, if you are going into your your job with a fear, obviously you're not psychologically focused on your job. Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. I could, yeah, that is definitely the truth, I think, yeah. Anonymous. And I mean, we've mm-hmm. had all our Kumbaya meetings to say, uh, let's speak about what your worries and your fears are, how can we overcome them, etc. But at the end of the day, our talk is cheap, and uh, we all just trying our best to get through it, and we don't know how to react and to, to get through this, because this is the first time we're going through this, do you understand? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anonymous psychological impact... At your school, yeah. what have you yeah, seen? No, yeah, mm-hmm. from, 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 my, from, my, from my from my point of view, point of view and from what, and from what I did. Sorry, is, is your radio on? on? Sorry, is your radio I on? You're getting feedback. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, okay. you can continue. All right, yeah, as I said, from, from my experience the last couple of weeks, and we've had our, 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 our matrix back, so... You know, they're, they're a little bit more mature and they have a better understanding uh, compared to, I'm, I'm sure my colleague would say, at, at primary school level. Um, the fear the fear is there, on, you know, in the faces of the kids. And one or two that I've, I've engaged with in terms of uh, 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 um, them coming to school and if they're not scared, they told me, sir, yes, we are. We are fearful. Our parents are careful, but... Uh, First and foremost, because it's their final year, uh, their fear is more the fact that they might miss out on the opportunity to finish matric. And I mean, I mean that is just, you know, adding more pressure on them, not knowing, you know, the, the, uh, what will happen in terms of going going forward. And for them, it's it's, it's about finishing finishing um try to salvage what 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 they can from from what's available uh, in front of them, but. You can see while teaching, one can see on their faces, yes, they wear their masks, they try to follow the protocols that, you know, that we're all trying to follow and they try to adhere to to what we as educators are saying, but the fear is real and not, not, not just for them being at school, as I said earlier, for them having to travel as well, you know, as, as my colleague said, that no matter what we do at school, we can look like the best hospital in the Western Cape. Uh, their challenge is the traveling and as you know um, not all of our learners come from affluent areas whereby they get dropped off at school they they, they forced to take public transport and just by doing that um, they, 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 they are at risk themselves because of you know them having to use public transport I have, I have, a, fi- yeah. Yeah. I have a question that I really want to ask sure. teachers as well as our in-studio guests what would be the impact on your job security if you had to say, I don't want to go to teach because I feel that my life is going to be at risk? We've just heard from a previous guest about principals as well that have now said that the academic year should be suspended and they've written a letter. I mean, did you guys not have a choice? Did you, I'm sure you had a choice. Didn't you have a if choice? I may, yeah? If I may come in as anonymous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, look. 
to answer your question directly, we can be charged for, for insubordination. In other words, you know, you, you're refusing to do your job. So that fear is mm-hmm. real. And, 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 and it is because of that reason that, you know, I personally am extremely, extremely upset with my, my teacher union. You know, who at times like this or situations like this are the ones that's supposed to step up to the plate and speak on our behalf because that has been taken away. You see, we, you, you can't refuse. You refuse, it's no work, no pay, or even worse, you can be called in for disciplinary action, whatever the case might be. So at the moment, as much as you want to be there for the kids, you have the fear with regards to the virus, but at the same time, it's like a gun is being held to your head. That's the way I describe it. And you are basically, look, it is my job. And, 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 and I want to be at school. I want to, 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 to be in class because that is my passion. That is, that, 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 that is what gets me going and my interaction with the learners. But um, with the current situation, as I said, it's unprecedented. Why the rush? I can't understand. And so you are standing there in front, in front of the class. You personally, you have your fears. You fear for your family. You fear for the kids. You have. You see the look uh, on their faces. But um, it, it's almost a, like a hopeless situation that you can't do anything about it. And, and you, you know, you you cry out for your union to speak on your behalf. You know, for in in order for you to to be able to exercise your human rights, yeah. the right of okay. choice. You know, so so yeah, it it, it is a bit yeah. it is a bit uh, of a tricky situation. Please yeah. stay yeah. tuned to the show. We are going to be having two unions on. I'm going to have to wrap up now the interviews with the teachers. We no have problem. two. We have three more guests that we need to get on before 9 p.m. So yep. um, Ziad and Anonymous, shukran so much thank for you. your time. Thank you, and shukran for sharing thank, your story. Thank, thank you very much. Good day to Mr. Hendricks, and I know it's him in the studio. Uh, he knows you. me. You probably. Uh, yeah. but I, <laughs> Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Gazid Kamaldin. We are now going to get online unions, the organizations that are meant to protect teachers. And of course, we understand that teachers' lives are at risk, literally, because of COVID-19. We have just interviewed a teacher who has tested positive for COVID-19, another one who feels a bit ill and says he has also gone for a test and he is waiting for the results. Now, the statistics show that a good few hundred teachers have already, well, let me just get the number right. In fact, it is in total around the country, we have had 1,169 teachers already contracting the virus. And as a result of that, 700 schools Countrywide had to close down for decontamination. Now, let's welcome the unions to the show. Let me get the names right. We've got Jonovan Rustin, the Satu Provincial Secretary. He has been on the show before. Jonovan, good evening. Welcome back to Burning Issue. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, and then we also have Basil Manuel. He's the NAPTOSA director. Now, they are the second biggest union in South Africa representing teachers. Basil, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening. Pleasure to be with you. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Basil. Yeah, guys, I have a very important question to ask you. Just before the ad break, before you came on, I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but we had a teacher on here who says that he might be COVID positive, and he says his union did not protect him. So what's going on, guys? 
Okay, let me start first. Basil, you don't mind. Uh, no, I'm sure. just busy in a union meeting now, currently. Um, let me say that uh, we are deeply concerned that uh, the infection rate has increased. In the Western Cape, we received a report uh, through the NCOP that 700 uh, teachers uh, tested positive uh, in the province and uh, over 90 learners, or just less than 90 learners have tested positive. So we are very concerned about this matter. Um, We're concerned that the peak is reaching us now. Uh, We are currently, as we speak now, having a discussion amongst our branches as to um, where to from here, how do we ensure that we protect our members. Now, um, I think it may be, we we must say that we feel uh, disheartened that our colleague has tested um, positive for COVID, and uh, we've been working very hard to ensure that all safety measures have been put in place uh, to be able to ensure that everybody who returns back to the workplace is in a safe space. And so they will encourage that particular uh, teacher, if he belongs to one of our unions, to make contact with us so that we can see how do we assist the, um, our member and assist our colleague in getting through this uh, trying time. Okay, but this is after the fact. This is after the fact. The fact is that this person feels that his union did not protect him because he said that he, if he did not, he felt forced to go back to work. Now, Jonathan, I remember interviewing you on the show before and you had mentioned that teachers, you know, you would protect teachers if they did not want to go to teach. Yeah, in fact, weeks later, somebody did go back to school and he could well have COVID-19. No, I understand that 100%. I understand 100%. We have raised all the important matters when we had our previous interview, all the important matters to ensure that uh, all our teachers um, are safe from the disease. But more importantly, job security. Job security. That's the union's job. Also, um, affects the entire community. And affects the entire community. Uh, We've got stats to say that uh, and we're not negating the fact that teachers are infected. Uh, in this province, there are 2,480 healthcare workers also affected. So we are working very, very hard to ensure that everybody's protected. But we want to encourage the individual teacher to make contact with us. Okay, so let me ask you this, Jonathan. The, the danger has been. Yeah, Jonathan, I want to ask you this Can question. If, if tomorrow a teacher decides... And, and they're a member of Satu, because you're from Satu. If tomorrow a teacher decides, so many of my colleagues are getting COVID-19, I'm not going to go to school, and I don't want to put myself at risk and my family at risk, um, can they do that? And, and if the Department of Education says that their job security will be threatened if they do that, how will Satu help that teacher? That's a very relevant question. Now, the law protects any worker, including a teacher, that if your workplace is unsafe, your worker is allowed in terms of the Department of Employment and Labor's regulations not to enter the workplace. And therefore, we encourage that particular worker who take that stance to, to contact the unions so that we can advise the person in the best possible way. And and what would the would the protection entail and advice entail? Because I just want to understand: will somebody still get their salary and keep their job if they choose to stay alive by not going to school and not getting COVID nineteen? 
that person is fully protected, as I said, if your workplace is is unsafe. For example, at your school, uh, there has been a, post, a COVID positive case. There has been uh, no cleaning of the school. Uh, the uh, social distance at the school is not adhered to. Masks are not provided. And all of those mitigating things, uh, that's in general. Uh, such a member will be protected in terms of the law if the workplace is unsafe. What we are going to have a further discussion with our own union nationally is that how do we deal with the phasing in of more learners coming into the system? Okay. Um, Basil, you're dying to come in and say something. Yeah, well, I don't know where to start. But let me say this. Uh, there are some realities. And Jonathan is quite correct. If, if the school is unsafe... And any place of work is unsafe. The work is protected. But of course, you have to then test whether the place is unsafe. And at the moment, I think that we will find that it is extremely difficult to pass muster on that particular issue. Uh, there's a bit of misdirection happening, and for, for various reasons. And I know that anxiety does that. But I also know that Various views have been implanted into the memories of people. But uh, did the unions open schools? It's not the union's responsibility, and neither could the unions open the schools. So it is not, it is unfair to simply just suggest that because we were at the table, and after trying everything that we, we could to ensure that every safety measure is in place, we eventually had to step aside and the minister had to declare. It is the minister's responsibility to, go, to open. When that happened, Naptoza published a news flash that said, on your head it rests, minister, because we were still not convinced that everything had been done in every place. And uh, truthfully speaking, uh, this is a tragedy that is still going to explode. Unfortunately, not you nor I know exactly when that peak is going to be. But just last night at, at a meeting with the, the Director General and all the other unions, um, we have said to the Director General that we will not sit on the sidelines and wait for to happen before a decision is taken about what is in the best interest of every teacher and every school. And we have put it to them that, in fact, we've got to be consulting a little more deeper, not only about the infections, but also about the trauma people are going through. May I ask you this question, please? May I ask you this question? Do you think Mm. that parents right now at this stage have got time for consulting when their children's lives are at risk of COVID-19? What would this consulting entail? I mean, I'm asking these tough questions because it's yeah, it's a reality. And I'm, and I'm I mean, and when you talk about a tragedy, a tragedy, sorry, that is still waiting to, uh, you know, uh, show its face. I mean, I will ask this question to both Jonathan and Basil. Do you then think that the education department is right in saying that that schools should keep going? You know, I mean. Should schools not be closing? I, I, I want to know from you, what should be, what, what, what is your union's opinion? What is your view on this? I'll go first on this issue. Let me, let me be very clear, and it's not always the most popular thing to say, 
uh, when is the right time to have the schools closed? Because schools cannot be closed indefinitely, we know that. And and for for much other, many other reasons than uh, the infections now. Uh, just today, the scientists were telling us that actually it's October and November when the real peak is going to hit. And this is where our problem lies. We want the reaction at the right time so that we close at the right time. Otherwise... Uh, we have a whole cohort of children in sometimes more dangerous situations than they are in now. And on, and such are the difficult decisions. Sometimes we oversimplify it and make as though it is just simply a decision about locking up and walking away without considering exactly how much more dangerous the other decision is. And I'm telling you now, we are debating that because we know that every parent is fearful today. And every parent wants a decision today. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, we we aren't talking necessarily about stopping the education of children. That's not the question. The question is the safety of physically having children in schools. That is what this question is. What do the unions think? Is it safe for parents to physically send their children to schools while we haven't yet seen the peak of the COVID-19 virus, particularly in the Western Cape, which is the hardest hit? Do you think that we we would be able to teach all the children out of school? And and then sometimes hasn't there been we make teaching that's been happening on where we are mm-hmm. at. Sorry, hasn't teaching been happening under level five and level four? We come in there. Yeah. Um, Sorry, guys, I'm just asking the questions that people have. No, These are no, difficult no, questions, anybody. right? Let me say to you that teaching has been happening uh, under level five. But the, the children that have been taught under level five in the main has been learners in more wealthier schools and parents who are yeah. more affluent. Because uh, those are the parents who have the devices, uh, those are the parents who have uh, the data, uh, those are the parents who were, were able to assist the learners in that particular time. Uh, the majority of our working class children have not received uh, sufficient uh, learning uh, during the, the remote period. So that is the reality. So our current debate is that when you take such a decision to say, or when you form an opinion, because remember it's not uh, the unions who close or open schools, when you articulate a position, you need to consider everything uh, that is on the table. You need to consider what is the scientist saying in terms of uh, uh, the effect of closing of schools on on learners' uh, psyche. Uh, We must consider the health issues. We must consider the issues of education of that particular child. Here we have other core challenges to say that we want to have every child to be having a feeding scheme throughout this particular period, notwithstanding um, that uh, some grades are not there. So there are divergent views uh, within our society. Some parental groups are saying, shut down now, we can give up the year, and then we can start again in 2021. Uh, Others are saying, let's go cautious and see how we mitigate all the circumstances. So we don't have all the the magical answers that the community wants. But I think parents also need to be informed. They have to read up, do their own research, and then also see what is in the best interest of their child. Uh, We are trying to make sure that everybody has a safe 
and also his educational experience. And unfortunately, in this new COVID-19, which we've never, ever had before, uh, it is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Basil, do you have any closing remarks? Yes, I, I want to say that it honestly is a very trying time for everybody. I, I think that when we start weighing up all the pros and cons, and the reality is that our communities, which are the poorer communities, will come out the worst out of this. And the longer a school closes, the less chance there is of a poor child going back to school. At the moment, we know that in the Greater Cape area, less, less than 80% of matriculants have returned to school. And that is a tragedy. And we've got to weigh all those things up. I, I honestly know the fears everybody is feeling. Here in Gauteng, where I'm located, believe me, it is happening equally uh, uh, often. And the schools are terrified. Every teacher is terrified. But the question is, do we react only to one thing without considering all the others, or must we look at more than that? And I'm saying lives are the most important. Hence, we have said we can never uh, uh, give up the importance of human life. Yeah, Jonathan and Basil, you know, I'm sitting with, Uh, a veteran and experienced educator here in the studio um, his name is Nadim Hendricks. You guys might might know might know him in the same industry, obviously. Um, and he mentioned something interesting. He said that education can continue, um, especially since uh, the education department has spent so much money on sanitizing, uh, hand sanitizers, and all these things. Where they could have spent that money on giving people data to continue learning at home because I feel like this question of people are too poor to get education at home keeps coming up and it isn't very solutions based it is literally just putting another stumbling block in the equation what do you think of the idea of you know the education department instead of telling people go to school here's a mask here's gloves and uh, here's hand sanitizer what do you think of the department using that money and rather giving kids data so that they could on their phone get their homework and get educated i personally don't think it's a bad idea let me tell you what we have done we are currently pressurizing our our data providers, the service providers, because it has been a draft draft legislation for more than twelve years to to make education uh, education programs data free, where it uses reverse data, and we have started to lobby for that legislation to come to the table because we believe that there needs to be another solution. What we have definitely learned uh, from COVID-19 is that we can't sit and only look at the good old method. And Nadim has a point that uh, if you weigh up the the pros and cons of having bought so many things, could could we have reached more learners? Probably not 100%, maybe 50%. Because at the moment, the the judgment is that actually it was a very low reach the last time. But it is a direction that we have to look at. We can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, any comments from your side? No. uh, Good evening, Nadim. I haven't seen you for a very, very long time. Uh, Evening, uh, Jonathan. uh, it's 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 a good idea. 
But I know that Dean is not saying that we will replace the teacher um, as we go forward. You know, he's an educationist by heart. I know him very, very well. It's a great idea. I think we have explored that. We have always jumped into some uh, hurdles. But as we're going forward, as Basil saying, we need to see how do we uh, move along uh, to a new type of norm to bring technology into the classroom, uh, provide the learners with the uh, with the gadgets. I know that how thing there was a move to give every child a tablet, um, and that could indicate there has been movement around zero rating sites, mm-hmm. and I mean we're always encouraging our parents to use that. Um, but we are on the new terrain, and all suggestions do help. I mean, I would love for a future burning issue to focus on how the unions are looking at alternative forms of education instead of putting kids' lives at risk with COVID-19. Because if we are having, are we still having a conversation about whether kids should go to school or not, as opposed to, wow, this technology, let's use that to get kids educated. You know, I'm really speaking as a citizen here as well now, you know. Let me tell you what one of the most frightening things is that I was looking at today, listening to Professor Mahdi and his suggestion that the COVID-19 could be with us right until the end of 2021. And so it does say that we've got to start thinking differently about many things. And certainly we can't take short-term decisions. We've got to make decisions that are going to last us for, for, for quite a while. We, we can't believe that we know when this will all be over. Everybody talks about a peak as though the peak is going to mean that's the end thereafter. And what if it's not? So I agree with you. We can't be, be toying around with things that tomorrow we find out we've got to rethink. We've got to be thinking about different methods and a combination of methods over a longer period of time. Yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it at that. Jonathan and Basil, thank you so much for the union perspectives. We are now going to go for a break. We're going to welcome our last guest into tonight's show. She's Vanessa LaRue. She's from an organization called Parents Against the Opening of Schools. Vanessa, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Hi, good evening, and good evening to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Look, your the name says it all. Parents against the yes. opening of schools. Did, did this come about because of COVID? Yes, it did. In fact, it, um, I started the group um, just after the announcement of Minister Angie Motseka. And um, in the space of two days, we had 50,000 parents that shared the same sentiment. We we literally say, um, we. it's not like we're saying the school shouldn't open. We're saying, why can't we wait till after the peak? What is the rush? No, no amount of education can be more important than the life of our children and our teachers. So, so yes, it, it spontaneously started from after the opening. Okay, and how many, how much support do you have? Um, currently, we are um, hundred and seven thousand members, parents. So these are parents of learners, and these parents are saying close the schools. Yes, we we saying close the schools. We saying. Um, we saw teachers die. We saw children get infected. Currently in the country, we are um, over a thousand teachers that have been infected, over 500, over 500 children being infected, 10 children already died. So what, we, what do we still want to okay. see? So 
Are you saying, though, that education must stop? Because we've come to understand that schools can be closed physically, but education can still continue. Are you proposing, then, any alternative? Yes, we are, we are proposing distant learning. We are saying, why can't teachers be at school? We as parents will weekly go and fetch our children's work. We have all these mediums and, and platforms that classes can, can happen. Even the SBC have an educational channel. Why can't we use that, that channel productively and, and keep our children safe at home? Okay. And in terms of engagement with the education department, are you doing that and how? Um, in fact, I had, a, I had an engagement um, on Saturday Certainly. with the head of the department, Mr. Brian Scruder. And um, I must be honest, I've, I've walked out of the meeting because I felt that Mr. Scruder was busy patronizing me and ultimately busy patronizing our community. What did he do? Why would you say that? Uh, because... He, he received letters from us, raising our concerns, um, and we were clear about what we want and what are we uh, about to do. We are going to keep our children at home. He came into the meeting, still asked us, um, what, what is your concern? And I said, listen, we're not here to patronize each other. Um, I won't be insulted and I won't let my community be insulted because you are not serious about listening to our concerns. This is a, P- a PR exercise gotcha. to you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, our children and our teachers are getting infected. Vanessa, there are parents that actually want to send the kids to school. Some because they are worried about the kids' education, others because of child care issues. Now, do you acknowledge that parents should be allowed to make this choice? Um, I I have I have this I have this question and I, I was speaking to a group of teachers yesterday and I said to them and, and this is where we as parents must take responsibility for our children because if that child gets infected in school it's the responsibility and we blame the teacher, we blame the principal and we blame the SGB. It is not fair. We as parents must take responsibility for our children. We can't have a situation where we reduce educators and principals and teachers to nannies and babysitters. We must take responsibility. This virus is killing people. This is our children. What are we doing in holidays with our children? Make that exact same plan. Vanessa, talking about the plan, okay, you mentioned distance schooling, but did you actually set out a plan for distance schooling? Is there a proposal? Because, I mean, in talking with Nadim and other teachers and unions, a lot of what's coming through is that there are suggestions, but where are the plans? Where are the, where are the, the, the actions that can or have or are already being taken? And, and do you know what? I was, I was in discussion with Prof. Janssen last week, and Prof. Janssen had, had numerous plans and proposals to them. There's numerous education experts that made proposals and put plans on table to, to, to let um, education continue in the comfort and safety of our homes. The department is not willing to listen to these proposals, not our provincial department, not national department. And, and there's, a, there's a, a force um, to get our children into class in a, in a safe way, our children, in a space where our children is not safe. And that is unacceptable. Okay, but the distance schooling 
is something that's still just an idea or is there sort of like a structure or I, I'd like to know because you know there's a lot of suggestions and a lot of and I'm going to ask a hard question. There's a lot of sloganeering. I mean, I just got information now from an, another protest that's happening tomorrow. I've heard of a protest happening on Thursday. In fact, I'm going to share the information now that I received about a protest happening tomorrow. Um, let me just quickly find it. It says there will be at 7.30 a.m. tomorrow on the corner of Belgravia Road and Clipfontaine Road a protest to close schools and... It's basically being called by the United Democratic Front and they have, I mean, I've as a journalist, I've gone and I've seen what they've done at schools. They essentially have been saying that schools should close down. But the thing is, we are also talking about alternatives and Nadimia said an alternative is physically close the school but continue the education, right? So we just need to be talking about solutions as well. Yes, we did. And the thing is, it doesn't even help us as parents if we put down these proposals and solutions and alternatives and no one is listening to it because there is no political will, because this is plain politics. There is no political will to listen to this. There is a certain type of agenda and the, the unfortunate thing is that agenda is playing with life. Yeah. It, it, people are dying from this agenda. That's the unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, we wish you all the best with your campaign um, and well, you and parents. Do you think there's any legal action that's going to be happening? Do, Nadine, yes, do you know there, of any yes, legal action? Yes, Tell us there about is it, yeah. definitely some legal action in the pipeline and, and we will keep you up to date with it. Fantastic. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us on Burning Issue. Thank you so much for having me. Nadim, we have about two minutes left. Yeah. Listening to what has been said here tonight, especially where Vanessa is concerned, and uh, the some or another very feeble attempt on the part of the unions to, 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 to I keep was surprised, eh? I was surprised uh, at the unions. Yeah. Uh, I would expect unions to be more uh, uh, vociferous in the defense of their particular lives of their teachers. But unfortunately, it's not for me to say that or for me to judge that. It's for the people to judge that. What Vanessa is saying is exactly what I was saying all along. That schools, uh, learners must not go to school. The, the schools must, uh, the teachers must go to schools. The teachers must formulate uh, 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 worksheets and, 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 and projects and things like that, continue the learning process. But we cannot get the learners to go to school and present a danger to the lives of the teachers and vice versa. So whether you want this? to call that mm-hmm. closing of schools or whether you want to call it whatever you want to call it, the bottom line schools must stay open as it is now. As we're sitting here, it's open the whole day already. It's been open on the, on the 8th of uh, June. And all we're saying, children mustn't go back. And these must, teachers and schools and management must find a creative way of teaching children. My other point, Lord. Yeah, to yeah. finish off is great I believe grade nines and twelve grade sevens and twelves must stay at school because teachers now manage to learn to manage that situation. And all and and, and, and I also believe that those are very important 
uh, exit point so that the con- so they can continue in the system. And I believe that uh, when schools are now, when others are not allowed back, we must wait for the correct for the situation to decide or time when those particular children must go back. Look, the reality is the 6th of July. The 6th of July will happen. It will come. And the National Education Department is the government. Exactly. And when they say that schools should open, I mean, what action could be taken to prevent that from happening? Can we understand schools are open? Yeah. And more learners will the be going only the people, The only people who can decide whether that schools will be populated are the parents. Mm-hmm. And if parents make that decision according to, to, to Vanessa, if they make the decision whether they place their children's lives in danger and the teachers. I well, feel there you the same have way. it. Shukran so much, Nadim <laughs> Hendricks. There you have it. Parents, it's up to you. You have the, you ultimately have the choice on whether you want to send your child to school. We are, of course, following the story from myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> Wa alaikum salam.